know, the Lord gives us lots of different ways to express ourselves. We need to take advantage of all of them because they touch different parts of our soul, you know. Sometimes he says, clap your hands, all ye people. Sometimes he says, shout to the Lord, you know. There, there are many different ways that, uh, that, uh, that the Lord um, works in our hearts and works in our lives. And, uh, and so w- when we make room for different expressions of praise, that, that's one of the powerful things that, uh, that happens there. Um, well, it's good to be together from prayer week last week. Are you uh, recovered? I hope not. Don't, don't recover from prayer week. Um, uh, but uh, we've got an announcement here. Jacob, come on and uh, share with us. You all have one of these, pull them out if you have one of these. If you don't, raise your hand, and I'm sure our wonderful ushers will get you one. So keep your hands raised. Ushers, if you could grab them for those that don't have one, thank you so much. This is also just for dorm students, so if you're not a dorm student, you don't have to worry about it. This is just filling out just for discovery days, like your preferences for where you want to be placed, what, what are good times for you, and just some people you want to recommend that could come to discovery days. So if there's someone that you want to recommend, Please put their name in there. So while you guys are filling that out, I'm just going to share a testimony of a previous person who came to Discovery Days last year and how Discovery Days impacted them. So this is from their evaluation. This is the last thing that we do. This is their overall impression of how they felt about Discovery Days. When I was at Discovery Days, I saw exactly why God is calling me to Elam. I have never met a group of people as caring and welcoming as the students I met during my stay. The presence of the Holy Spirit was so prevalent everywhere I went. The chapel was amazing, and I started to imagine what it would be like to experience that almost every day. I felt like this was a place where I truly fit in. For the first time in a long time, I was surrounded by young people who held the same belief system as me and were totally on fire for God. I grew so much in just one weekend, I can't imagine the amount of growth I could experience at a year at EBI. But I'm so eager to find out. Elam is so much more than just a school. It's a place where I can grow and where I can see young people experience their faith and what God wants to take them in this big world. That is something I would love to be a part of. By the end of my stay at Discovery Days, and catch this, I was no longer frightened, but ecstatic about God's plan for my life. Ecstatic for God's plan for my life. That's what we're looking for here. So when we're looking at Discovery Days, guys, you guys are a huge part of this, and you're going to have an impact on the students no matter what you do. So it's up to you guys to decide what kind of impact are you going to leave on them? Are you going to leave them excited for God? You guys have a chance to be able to pour into them. And this person who filled out this, uh, they're actually here as a student this year. I'm not going to name names. You know who you are. Maybe you don't. It's funny to me. But um, if you guys are done with your sheets, I'm going to have these two sections. Pass them to the left. And this section, pass them to the right. And if ushers, Connor and the ushers, if you guys could nab them from everyone, that would be fantastic. And also just some good helpful tips for Discovery Days. Make sure to clean your room just saying, or, you know, maybe take a shower for some of you guys, maybe take several showers before they get here. No judgment. Um, and yeah, just be really excited, guys. We're really looking forward to this. It's going to be a fantastic time. And yeah, Pastor Mike. Okay, also by way of announcements, I have here um, Recharge Worship Night. This Sunday, January 28th at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, ask Gabe. But It's going to be a a night given to worship and praise on Sunday, January 28th, this Sunday. 
If you um, can open your Bibles up to James chapter 1, we're, 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 we're kind of working our way through the book of James, and uh, we're, James chapter 1, yeah, thank you for bringing that over for me, angle it a little bit so try to get the majority of people because I'm going to be messing with that a little. Okay, James chapter 1, and uh, we're going to start with verse 12, verse 12, James chapter 1, and uh, we, last week we talked about uh, I guess it wasn't last week, it might have been the week before, we talked about growing through trials, and this week we're going to talk about growing through temptations. Remember the book of James is all about growing, right? All, all about growing. So we talked about growing through trials, now we're going to talk about growing through temptations. James chapter 12, starting with verse 18. It says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved... He will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, it's interesting, this word trial, and I'm going to try and explain this a little bit to us more in a moment, but this word trial, actually, uh, it's, it's the same Greek word as the word temptation. So the only way the people who are um, translating the Bible, know which way, way to use it, know, know which one to use, is by the context. As they look at the context, they say, oh, he's talking about um, temptation, or he's talking about, uh, you know, external kinds of trials. But the Greek word is the same exact Greek word. Now get that little thought in your mind, and I'm going to try to help us understand this a little bit more as we go along. So he says, let no one, so we can see the context here, he uses the word trial, but the context is temptation. Let no one say when he is tempted, I, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. All of us have experienced that. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or sh shifting shadow in the exercise of his will he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be uh, a kind of first fruits among his creatures okay so in your notes look in your notes now for me it says understanding the relationship between trials and temptation Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Remember now, this word is the same. Trial and temptation are both the same Greek word, and the only way we know the difference is, is the context. So trials, in your notes it says this, trials are adverse situations used by God to cause spiritual growth in our lives. I feel like I'm hearing a little ringing in, okay. Trials are adverse situations used by God to cause spiritual growth in our lives. All of us have had that experience of trials, right? We have an adverse situation, something that, is, that comes against us, a circumstance that comes against us, okay? Now, it says they're used by God, but they're not created by God. God does not have to create any trials for you. The world is full of trials, right? It's all over the place. God doesn't have to think back and say, you know, let me come up with a trial for them. He just says, let them breathe, and they're going to face a trial, okay? It's just as long as they're there, they're going to face trials because we're in a sin-sick world. So trials are adverse situations used by God to cause spiritual growth in our lives. Temptations, now, 
are opportunities seized by Satan to lure us into sin. Trials are external. Temptations are internal. Okay? And then in your notes it says this. A trial is transformed into a temptation when we doubt the goodness of God toward us and resist his will. Okay. So let me see if I can... I hope you can, you can see up here for a second, but this just occurred to me uh, today, and I thought it, it'd be a, it's, a, it's a good picture here of what's happening. So we're going to draw a circle here, and we'll say this circle here is God. Oh, dear. Okay. And then we're going to draw another circle. Okay. And this circle here is me. Okay? There's, I don't think this is in your notes, so if you want to draw it on a corner or something like that to follow along. So, now normally when we experience trials, when, a, when, we, when we interact with a trial in a healthy way, when we say trials work, trials are adverse situations used by God to cause spiritual growth in our lives, okay? So when we interact with a trial, the pressure of the trial comes like this. Okay? So what happens when I have the right attitude and I come into a difficult situation, I don't see God as the enemy. I see God as my help, my friend, you know, who, who, he's with me in the midst of this trial. So I'm facing this difficulty and I'm going, oh Lord, can you help me with this situation? And Lord, what are we going to do now? And how, am I gonna, how are we going to make it through this? And and Lord, I'm just trusting you to guide me. And, and we're in this thing, we're like partners, right? I'm going through the trial, but he and I, I you know, I, he's on my side, he's with me in the trial. We're like partners in the trial. And so the pressure of the trial pushes us what? Pushes us together. As a matter of fact, ultimately, right, if we, it, 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 just like what we, we read about last week in, um, uh, when we were reading about trials at, at the beginning or, or the week before in James, you know, ultimately this idea is that trials are a good thing, right? He says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Uh, and, and why is that? Because this, this trial that you're going through, it's pushing you into God. You and God are just coming together more and more as you're going through this difficulty, of course, the, the ultimate thing we would love to see is this circle completely encapsulated in that circle. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to see that? That you'd be really like in him, you know what I mean? That you'd be like totally in him, completely in this situation. But most of us, there's a sense in which we're, we're in the Lord, and then there's this sense in which there's this outside thing happening too, right? There's a, there's a thing happening. And so God, God's way of dealing with this or working with this is he uses trials to push us together, to push us together. Okay, now what happens, remember trial and temptation are what? They're the same one. They're the same word, right? Trial and temptation, same Greek word, right? If we were looking at it in Greek instead of in, in English, right? The, the, the translator is trying to help us understand the two different, it's the same word, but it's being used in two different ways, you know, that happens in language sometimes, it's uh, in that kind of way. So, so what happens? When, when um, a trial becomes a temptation, this pressure 
that we would normally want to see us pushing together shifts. And all at once we find that the pressure comes here. Okay, it's, it's, it, I could call it, this is an arrow, and this is an arrow, right? This is, this is, this is an arrow, and this is an arrow. These are, these are arrows, same word, right? But over here, when I, when I look at that arrow over there, I'm looking, at, um, I'm looking at trials. I'm looking at something that's pushing me into God, that's connecting me with the Lord, that's bringing me together, right? But when that arrow shifts, same arrow, when that arrow shifts, that is my view of my trial shifts, something happens, all at once that arrow starts to come, instead of pushing me together, what does it do? It pressures me in such a way that it actually separates me from God. Are you with me? Right? So, so are you being pushed into God by your trial? Or has that trial somehow shifted that it's actually become a temptation to separate you away from God? Now, how does that happen? There are forces that are at work in all of our lives. Every human being on this planet, there are forces that are at work that are constantly trying to shift this to this. It's, 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 it's working. Some, some of it has to do with things inside of me. Something has, some of it has to do with the enemy of my soul. Some of it has to do with a lot of different circumstances. But, but this thing is, 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 there's this pressure to shift the trial, which is meant to bring me into greater unity with God, to shift that trial to a place where it becomes a temptation, it becomes a dividing point between me and God. Now in your notes, here look what it says. It says, a trial is transformed into a temptation when we doubt the goodness of God toward us and resist his will. Okay, so, so, so what happens is there's some kind of, and it's not just doubt. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you three or four things that, will, that push this over this way. But one of the things that pushes, the, probably the major thing, that pushes this thing over is when I lose track of the fact that God is for me, God is with me, God wants me to succeed, God is on my side, I am his son, I am, in your case, his daughter, I am, I, you know, I, I, I'm his, I, I, I am in a relationship with him that doesn't change, he and I are connected, we're linked up. When I begin to lose track of that, and I start to wonder, is really God for me? Is he really on my side? Is he really taking care of me? Is he, is, is he doing it? When, I start, when that shift starts to take place, the trial is transformed into a temptation. Because what happens is, when I lose track of that God is for me, God is with me, God wants to help me, God is... When I lose track of that, then what happens inside of myself is I start to think to myself, I have to come up with a way of taking care of myself because I'm not sure God is going to take care of me. And once you get it into yourself that you need to take care of yourself, that's when that trial gets transformed and it starts dividing you away from God. You're not really sure God's going to come through for you. You're not really sure he's going to provide for you. You're not really sure he's going to take care of you. And so, and so now that pressure, which before, you know, let's say before you, you were in a financial crisis. 
okay, man, I'm in the middle of this financial crisis. Uh, somebody was going to help me with school, and they backed out, and now I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to make it through the semester? What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. If you experience it as a trial, then you're going, you're going okay, Lord, you know, it's, I can't do it without you. I mean, unless you come through for me, Lord, I, I just cling to you, Lord. You've got you've to solve this problem. You've got to answer the situation. My trust is in you. You've taken care of me before. You supplied for me every single time, all the time. To this day, you supplied for me. You kept providing for me. You kept working for me. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you right now. I'm believing you. See, now that, that pressure, that financial pressure is, is pushing you into God. But if in your mind it starts to come to you that, well, maybe God isn't really going to come through. Maybe with all the things that are going on in the world, maybe he's not really going to supply my need. Maybe he cares about other people more than he cares about me. You know, they've got testimonies, but I don't necessarily have that testimony. So I'm not sure the Lord is really going to help me in this situation. See, so what's happened is doubt has begun to pressure take this pressure and move it from something that's helping me, moving it to something that's dividing me. And all once I start saying to myself, you know, I start coming up with solutions. You know, maybe if I stole some money, you know. Maybe if I lied to people about when the money was going to come. Maybe I would, and I start coming up with all, and see, I'm facing a temptation because if God isn't going to help me, I've got to help myself. And, I, and the ways I want to help myself may not necessarily be godly ways, but he's not helping me anyway, so I better do what I need to do. Is this making sense to you? How this shift takes place inside of ourselves? Okay. So, so uh, we see a picture of it the, uh, in your notes. It says, remember the temptation of Eve in the garden. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. So initially... You know, here, here the woman is, and, and uh, God has said to her, said, hey, I love you, I care about you, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm concerned for you. And you see this beautiful garden that you're in, you can eat from anything, any tree that's in this garden. But listen, out of my care for you, out of my love for you, I'm telling you something, don't eat from this tree. Because if you eat from this tree, you're going to die, right? Now what happens, though? What does Satan do in this situation? Um, the, uh, it says says, uh, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Right? So in your notes it says, Satan casts doubt on God's love for Eve when she loves uh, when she loses the confidence that God loves her and is working for her good, she decides to disobey. Who wants to obey somebody who's using you, right? So here she is. She's in, a, she's in the garden, and all the trees of the garden you eat, but God says, look, this one tree I don't want you to eat. And, and so she sees that tree, says, God loves me, so I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'm just one with God. I'm just contained with him. But then Satan comes in, and he says, he, he sows this doubt into her heart. He says, he says, uh, you know, the reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree is not because he loves you. 
He's protecting himself from you. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to become greater even than him. He's, he, 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 and, he, and, he, and he's sowing the seed of doubt into her heart. And suddenly, what was a trial before is being pressured and turned into a temptation. And all at once, she finds herself going, well, I wonder if God really does love me. I wonder if he really does care about me. I wonder if he'll really, he really is going to take care of me. I wonder if the things he's telling me not to touch, he's telling me not to touch them for his sake, not for my sake. And this whole thing is happening inside of her. And all at once she says, I guess the only way to find out is to disobey. And what was a trial was transformed into a temptation. You know, it happens in tons of different areas. Maybe it's the temptation to premarital sex. You know, God tells us in the word of God that sex is good. He says, but the real power of it is released in the committed relationship of marriage. And, and, and so the voices come in, you know. So you start out and you kind of go, okay, you know, that's it. Well, here, you know, here's this gift, the sex, that's great. And he says, you know, I can eat of this, but it, the real power of it, the real greatness of it is in the relationship of marriage. And so great, Lord, you, you know, keep me in this. I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow after you. But then Satan comes and he says, he says, whoa, is that really the case? Or is the fact, really, that you're denying yourself? That everybody around you is enjoying something you're not enjoying. And somehow you have been bought into this lie about your sexuality and about God wanting to preserve it in some kind of way. And, and the fact is you're losing out. You're not, you're, you're not getting all that God has for you. He's not really, it's really not about what's best for you. And, and, he's, and doubt begins to fill our minds. Doubt comes from the devil, doubt comes from, from uh, people around us and the culture we're in, for sure. And doubt comes out of our own heart, right? And that doubt comes in, and, and, and it, it kind of gets pushed over here. And all at once, we're in this, this situation where, where what started out is something that he and I were in it together. And, and, yeah, it was a challenge to walk with him, but it was something I was doing as unto the Lord. It was a worshipful thing. It was a positive thing. But now it's actually become something that's dividing me and the Lord. A trial is transformed into temptation when we doubt the goodness of God toward us and resist his will. Okay, so some facts about temptation that we can see from this passage. Uh, 13, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Okay, so in your notes, some facts about temptation. Important facts. First one, very important fact. Everyone is tempted. That is, everyone is tempted. There is no, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you may be able to destroy it. So, so this process, this effort to push to, to, to push the arrow around, to move this thing around, everybody faces this. It has, 
Nothing, you know, sometimes people think if I was more holy, I wouldn't be tempted. No, you could be as holy as Jesus. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways as we are. Everybody gets tempted. It's part of the problem. It's no sign of your spiritual condition. You know, some people think to themselves, you know, they have a, a temptation that comes into their mind, and they think to themselves, well, that just shows how mucked up I am inside. You know, that just shows what a terrible person I am. That just shows how messed up I am, because any good person wouldn't be thinking this lustful thought, or every, any good person wouldn't be doing such and such. And they, they buy into that lie, and of course, that's one of the things that the enemy uses to shift them over in that kind of way. And, you know, the truth is everybody is tempted. Jesus was tempted. You're tempted. Everybody is tempted. And the other truth is that there's nobody else to blame. That is, if I, even though there are pressures trying to push trials into temptations, God says there is always a way of escape for you. You do not have to succumb to this. You don't have to believe the lie. You don't have to buy into doubt. You don't have to, you have the power. He says, I will always give you a way of escape. You don't have to let this thing turn you around. Just because the whole world is polluted, just because the devil is wanting to destroy you, just because you grew up in a messed up world and messed up life, you, you think to yourself, I don't have it. Listen, you, you do not blame your decisions on anybody else. You know, you know why it's very important that you don't blame your decisions on anybody else? Because if the devil made you do it, how can you get forgiveness? See, the only way you can get forgiveness is if you acknowledge, I messed up. Right? You can't get forgiveness because, because you know, if, if, uh, if, if you screamed at somebody because you're Irish, how can, somebody, how can God forgive you? Right? You can't say, well, let me release you from being Irish. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not how it works, you see? You, you don't do what you do because of your nationality. You don't do what you do because every one of us has our, the power to make our own decisions. So it's important for us to realize, hey, everybody is temp tempted, and there's nobody else to blame. Uh, you, you take responsibility for your rotten choices. And then this next part right here, it says temptation is a process. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Okay, so, so now we're going to look at now here some of the forces that are, pu that are pushing. Okay, so one of them right here we see, first of all, right away is doubt. We've been talking about that. I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but doubt, right? So doubt is one of those forces. When I, when I begin to doubt God, doubt my relationship with God, doubt God's uh, uh, heart toward me, this kind of stuff. Second thing, second in your notes is desire. Lust is not bad. It simply means desire. That's what lust is. He says you give in to your lust. You give in to your, your desire, right? Uh, you know, Satan will always touch a legitimate desire, but to get you to fulfill it, in an illegitimate way, okay? So desire up here, desire. Okay, so how, so how does this work? Okay, so let's take an illustration of it from Jesus' life. Okay, so Jesus, remember, he experiences temptation, right? He gets in the, to, he, get, he gets in the, um, uh, the, the, just prior to the 40 days, right? He goes, uh, or no, when he's in the 40 days in the wilderness. He's in the 40 days in the wilderness, and, uh, and he gets a temptation. And Satan comes to him and says this to him. 
It says, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, you can have these if you will bow down to me. Now, I want you to stop and think for a second. How many of you think that Jesus has a tremendous internal desire to have an influence over all the kingdoms of the world? Right? He, 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 you know, you, it's, is it an illegitimate desire? No, it's a desire that his father has put inside of him, right? That every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, and so inside him is this tremendous desire. As a matter of fact, God has said to him, if you will follow me and do what I tell you to do, all these kingdoms will, will come to you. You, every kingdom will be brought to you if you will follow me and you will do what I've called you to do. See, he, the, the Lord has, has said that to Jesus, right? And so Jesus now is in this situation because Jesus is facing this thing. Here the devil is coming to him and saying to him, I will give you what God has promised you, but without the cross. I'll give you what God has promised you, but without the, I'm telling you, the devil's coming to you right now. I can feel, feel it all over me right at this moment as I'm saying this to you. And he says, I'll give you these things, things that God has promised you without the cross. You just bow down to me, and I'll give you the thing you desire. See, desire is not evil in its nature. You know, sexual desire, it's not evil. It's not evil. But God says there's a way to this thing. I, I put something in your heart, but there's a way to this thing that has a cross between you and it. Maybe the cross is denying yourself and, and, and being true to your, to your mate and, and, your, and, and walking and, in that and working in that kind of way and so you're, you're moving in that kind of way and you're moving through the cross and then you come to the other side and you find the thing that you've been longing for you find the thing that's there the thing that God promised you the well-being the blessing the family that would be to all the things that God had promised you he says it's it's there for you but Satan comes and says, says you can have all that all the blessing and pleasure no cross just bow down to me just worship me. Just give yourself over to my way. See? And so one of these things that's pushing us, trying to shift this thing around, right? One of these things that's pushing us in this way is this desire, right, that, that is there. Another thing we see is deception. Deception. Uh, to be enticed, lured by a bait. This is the, that word enticed means uh, to be carried away. Uh, another way of saying it is to be snared in a trap, lured by bait, to be snared in a trap. And sometimes the way we end up, we, the way we end up pushing over here is we're, we literally, we literally get deceived. You know, we get lied to and we believe the lie. That's what happened with Satan. Satan said to Eve, you know, uh, you know, has God really said that? Does He really care about you? And we believe that lie, and, and, and all at once it becomes a dividing point for us. An, another thing we see here is disobedience. When lust conceives, when, um, 
join us together, when, when my will and lust join together, when I make that decision, then we experience sin. And, of course, the final uh, thing that separates us is death, spiritual separation from God. So, so, so what happens is all these things are pushing on us. Finally, we, we come over here, we take this action in here, and instead of us being drawn together by our trials into unity, instead we get pushed apart because we choose disobedience, choose to go our way, own way, choose to do our own thing. Now, at the same time as forces are working to push it this way, to, to get us so the divine, there are also forces that are at work going the other way. Okay, now let's look at that in your notes because we, we, we can see some for How do we overcome temptation? Okay, James 1, 16 through 18 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no shadow, no variation or shifting shadow. He says, In the exercise of, of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of a first fruits among his creatures. Okay, so how do we overcome temptation? We overcome temptation by focusing on the goodness of God. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Paul's not saying that because he's saying, hey, look, don't be deceived. Let me pick on you because everybody does. <laughs> he said, he's not saying don't be deceived, right, beloved brethren, meaning I love you. Yeah. <laughs> he says he loves me too. Okay, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he's looking at these, at these people and he's going, he's going you, know who, you know what you are? You are this. It has nothing to do with me. You are a beloved brother. Who's, who's, who are you beloved by? God loves you. He says, beloved brother. See? So, so if you want to fight this doubt, desire, deception, this thing that's pushing, he says one of the key ideas is this idea that, that, that um, uh, that you have to focus on the goodness of God. You know, this passage says, says every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. You know, every good thing, every good thing that you experience in this life has been given you by God. And I'm not just talking about the, the big things that may happen or not. You know, so some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what it is to wake up in the morning and to breathe and go, wow, a day. I have another day. This is, a, this is like a gift, right? It's like you feel awesome. You know, it's like, it's like wow, this, this is great. I have another, I have a day. This is awesome. You know, I have moments in my life. I can remember uh, one birthday back when my kids were all older teenagers and we were all up in the Thousand Islands together. And we, we decided to go out for my birthday. It's an so it's July 3rd, so we, um, we, we kind of um, we're, were on vacationing, and we were taking advantage of that. So we're going we're to go out for my birthday to this restaurant. We go to this restaurant, this seafood restaurant. And we go in, and they give us beautiful seats right on the St. Lawrence River, Thousand Islands, just looking out the window, just fantastic. And I'm 
I'm like, wow, look at this. You know, I'm looking around the table, and there's my two sons and my daughter. And there's my wife there. It's my birthday, and I got a beautiful view of the St. Lawrence River. And, and uh, they say, well, we've got a seafood buffet tonight. And I'm going, whoa, a seafood buffet. That's awesome. And we order the seafood buffet. Everybody but my wife, she orders chicken parmesan. And, and we get the seafood buffet, and I'm sitting, I'm eating all the seafood I can eat. And my family is around me, and I have a beautiful view of the St. Lawrence River. And at the end, they say, you know, dessert is included with your meal. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Dessert is included with the meal. And I, I say, what do you have? And they go, carrot cake. And carrot cake is my number one dessert, you know, my absolutely favorite dessert, you know. And I, I go over, and it was like an awesome, you know, some carrot cakes are mediocre. This was an awesome carrot cake. It was an awesome carrot cake. And, and, I, and I, I, I'm, like, I'm like, it's like perfect. It was like a perfect, right? It wasn't like perfect by accident, right? Every good thing that you've ever tasted of, every good thing that has ever touched you, the Bible tells us that God gave us that good thing. That he uses every trial, even bad things, he turns into good things when we respond. It counted all joy when you encounter those trials because they're going to push you right into me. And, and he tells us in the passage, he tells us who he is. He, it, it says he's the father of lights. You know what it's referring to when it says the father of lights? You know what that's referring to? What the, and and, and the, this time when they would refer to the night sky they would refer to it as the lights, right? All the stars in the sky. And he, would, he, 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 he says, he is the father of lights, right? Now, at this time, there was a lot of superstition. One of the big superstition, superstitions was astrology, right? That in the study of the stars, Stephen still today, right? You can, every newspaper probably has a little astrology section in the newspaper. He's, he's, he looks at these people and he says, I am the father of all the stars, right? And what he's saying by that is, I hold your future in my hand. I'm, you're looking to the stars, thinking the stars are going to tell you what's going to come. He says, I'm the father of lights. I hold your future in my hand. And then he says, there's no variation or shifting shadow no shadow or turning inside of him. What does that mean? What is that saying? When there's no variation, no shifting shadow, it means he never changes. The reason there's no variation is he's always the same. You're not, you know how some people, you, you don't know, right? You come into work or you go into class or you see a certain person and they're kind of moody people. You know what I mean? Is, is it going to be happy Mike today or is it going to be grumpy Mike today? You know what I mean? We don't... We don't know. Who, who, who's showing up, right? Who's, who's here today, right? But you don't have to have a worry about that with God. You never have to worry that when you come from him, it's irritation day. He's not irritated with you. He loves you, right? He is on your side. He wants you to succeed. See, all of this kind of thinking fights doubt, fights your desires, fights the deception lies that are coming to you. And that's why the, the way we, we, we have to do battle using this kind of thinking. 
um, remember, every temptation begins with a doubt about God's love for us. And we overcome temptation by focusing also, be in your notes, by focusing on who we are in God. This is what he says, James 1.18. He says, in the exercises of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. See, what he's saying to us is, it's not just that God is the father of lights and there's no variation or shadow of shifting. He says, you've got to remember who you are. You have been born by the planted seed of the word of God that's been put inside of you. You are children of God, chosen of God, holy and beloved. The core of your being is the planted word of truth. We are first fruits. He says, you're, you're the first fruits among his creatures. You know first fruits in the Bible. It always means the most choice, the most special. It's a symbol of devotion when you bring God the first fruits, the most choice, the most special. And he, said, he looks at you and he says, you are my first fruits. You are my first fruits. And it's so easy for us to forget who we are in God. Okay? So here we are. This is it. This is the battle that's going on. You're, you're walking through life. You're experiencing trials, right? Maybe it's your roommate. Roommate is a trial, major trial right there. Are you in it together with God? Are you like, Lord, you know, when the roommate is driving you nuts, are you going, Lord, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to respond? Lord, I just want to be yours in the midst of this situation. And so what's happening? You're being driven by the trial of your roommate into God. Or are you instead being pushed and you're thinking to yourself, God is supposed to be with me, but no God who loved me would have put me in a room with this person. <laughs> right? And maybe you're like me one day when I finally made the decision I was going to punch my roommate right in the face. <laughs> I'll tell you the story sometime and what happened. I was going to punch my roommate right in the face. I just, I just, I, I gave it everything I could. I did all I could. I, I, was, I was at the end, Right? What, what happened? What happened? What happened? It went from a trial to a temptation, and it, you know, it, it, it blew me and my relationship with God apart. Let's just bow our heads right now before the Lord. Can we do that? Just bow our heads just for a moment. I'm not going to keep you long. Okay, what, what is at work in you today? That is, what trial that was meant to push you into God instead has been shifting because of doubt, because of desire, because of deception? It's been shifting, and now actually what was meant to drive you into God is now something that's a temptation driving you away from God. What is it? You know the story in your life. It's going to be different for each of us. But he says to us that the, the, the greatest weapon you have to keep trials from 
turning into temptations is your intimacy and your relationship with him, your revelation that God loves you and is on your side and is fighting for your good and is working for you in every situation, the revelation that you are no ordinary child, that you have been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, that God has given you incredible value in his eyes, that he sees you as the first fruits, the very best. That's what the first fruit is. It's the very best. He sees you as the first fruits. He sees you as being born from the incorruptible seed of his word. And he wants to fill you with that revelation right now. He wants to awaken again. You've been hearing all kinds of voices speaking to you, voices pushing you toward doubt, pushing you toward thinking if you don't do it yourself, it's just not going to happen. Yes, you're in a trial. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. You're in a trial, but that trial is for the perfecting of your faith, not to produce uh, uh, temptations in your life. Now, if you just want to express to the Lord afresh, just say to him afresh, Lord, yes, I am your child. Yes, I believe you're working for my good. Just lift both your hands in the air right now. And you, by doing that, what you're saying to the Lord is you're, you're saying, Lord, I'm reconnecting. Yeah, my trial is not going to go away. Listen, your trial isn't going to go away. But your trial has a purpose. Something God's wanting to work inside of you. But the thing that controls whether it becomes destructive is your believing what God has said about you and what he's told you about himself. He is the father of lights. And every good thing has come to you from him. And he wants your good. He wants blessing for you. Lord, I just pray right now all over this room, Lord. Whether it's been our flesh or the devil or, or just the the sin-sick world we live in, all of us are facing temptations. But Lord, right now, we just renew our understanding of you as the Father of lights. We renew our understanding as you who has no shadow or shifting that you're on our side. We renew our understanding, Lord, right now that that we are your children, literally born of the incorruptible seed of God, that you feel the same pride uh, as I feel when I look at my son and then I look at my grandson and granddaughter and I look at them and I go, whoa, they're born from the seed of our life. I, 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 as long as they're here, I'll always, I'll always be alive in one way. That's the way God feels about you. Lord, renew us in that spirit, Lord. We're not arrogant. We're not saying we're better than anybody else. We're just saying we are who you've called us to be. You've made us this way. You have done this. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.